You're listening to a message that was recorded live at Roots Community Church in Costa Mesa, California. Roots exists to celebrate the glory of God through lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about our community, visit us at rootschurch.net. I'm going to ask you to remain standing for just a little bit more if you may, or if you're able, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 will be our sermon text this evening. And we have been in this song of Advent, songs of Advent series now through the month of December. And we come now to the fourth song of Advent, the song of Simeon or Simeon's song. And it comes to us in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22 through verse 38. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb, first opens the womb, shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what it is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not but depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God And to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This, beloved, is God's holy word. Please be seated. As we attempt now to stand under God's word, it is my prayer, my hope, that the comfort from God our Father would find your hearts through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
Like in the previous scenes in the nativity, we are confronted in this scene this morning with more obscure figures and more humble introductions. Two characters show up in Luke's account. The first is a man named Simeon. And we really don't know anything about Simeon. He is a devout man and he is an official in the temple. That is about all we know of Simeon. He is an obscure figure. And the second is even more of an obscure figure. She's an 84-year-old widow prophetess named Anna. She shows up at the end of our pericope here. And this is something we've grown accustomed to as we've moved through these songs of Advent. These explosions of great joy are before very obscure and very humble audiences. You'll remember our, our scene last week. We saw a heavenly concert break out when a host of angels broke heaven open and announced glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It was a heavenly concert, none like any has ever seen. And for whom was it performed? Was it before kings and dignitaries? Queens, perhaps it was before the religious elite, the Sanhedrin, heard this heavenly concert. No, more obscure figures, more humble introductions, graveyard shepherds heard this announcement, this glorious announcement. But nevertheless, nevertheless, an announcement was made and the shepherds went running to see the Christ child with their hearts ablaze with joy. They went running to see the birth of the king and where do they find him? Not in a palace, not in the temple, not in a glorious abode, but in a manger among the animals. Indeed, he was God from God, light from light, begotten and not made. And yet there he was in an obscure place among the animals. He was born in obscurity all for our purity was this humble king. Oh, that God's comfort through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, through the redemption that is found in the blood of Christ alone, come rushing to your hearts this evening. The story continues. According to the Torah, a Jewish mother was considered unclean 40 days after her birth. Seven days immediately after her birth, and then her family were to, to, was to quarantine for 33 more days. Now, you and I know a little bit about quarantining, right? That's like kind of a curse word now. <laughs> we know a little bit about that, 10 days, 14 days, or whatever. But for 40 days, this new family, after the birth of their firstborn son, was to quarantine for 40 days. And if the child that was born to this new mom and dad was their firstborn son, the family would pack everything up and they would make a journey to Jerusalem, to the temple, in order to offer this child to the Lord. And so that's what Mary and Joseph do. After their quarantine, after their day of isolation, they pack everything up and they make the journey to the temple in the holy city in order to present their firstborn baby boy Jesus Christ to the Lord. 
And it's this scene that concludes the infancy narrative in Luke's gospel. And it's this scene that will capture the rest of our attention for the next 15 minutes. And it is glorious. Look at verses 22 to 24 again in our text, if you're able. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him, that is Jesus, the Christ child. They brought him up to Jerusalem to to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I'll stop there for just a moment. Although the two characters, Simeon and Anna, are both obscure and we don't know much about them, the place where we meet Simeon and Anna is not obscure. The, we are meeting Simeon and Anna eventually in the story in the temple. In the temple, in Jerusalem. This was the place where God would dwell with his people. This was the place where atonement for sin would be offered on behalf of God's people. This is the place where worship of God would happen. Indeed, this place is well known. The history is well established. Mary and Joseph find themselves now in God's house, in the temple, in Jerusalem. And so because Jesus was their firstborn son, Mary and Joseph take him into the temple to present him to the Lord. But look at verse 24 again, and don't miss this. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, quote, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, verse 24 is actually a partial quote from the law. It's a partial quote from the law. The full quote is from Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8. Let me read you the full quote from which verse 24 comes. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8 says this, and if she, that is the mother, if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. The irony, the beautiful, redemptive irony in this text is stunning. Mary and Joseph can't afford a lamb. And so they opt for the two turtle doves and the pigeons. That's not surprising. We know Mary and Joseph come from meager means. They don't come from royalty. They don't own land. They're not going to bring up any livestock to bring. And so they opt for the turtle doves and the pigeons. That's not surprising to us. But yet, the child that they bring is called the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember John the Baptist when he locks eyes on Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
So in this very moment, beloved, the shadows of the old sacrificial system are giving way now to the substance of the new covenant. The lambs, the goats, the rams, the bulls, and the old sacrificial system could merely cover the sins of God's people for a season. But another animal would have to be slaughtered. Another animal would have to be sacrificed. But not so with the Lamb of God, Christ himself. A once-for-all sacrifice was made. The old covenant is giving way to the new. The shadows are giving way to the substance. And isn't this the wisdom of God? This is the wisdom of God. Mary and Joseph cannot afford a lamb for sacrifice. And yet they were presenting the lamb who would be the once for all sacrifice for you and for me. Oh, the wisdom of God. Two people in the temple that we know of in this text, two people understand what's going on. Again, these are those obscure, very humble people that we don't know much about. Two, recognize that the dawning of the new covenant has come. The long-awaited Messiah of Israel has come to his people. And the first one to recognize his coming is a man named Simeon. Look at verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is to say, he is waiting for the comfort. That's what that word means. For the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Verse 27, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the Christ or the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, look at verse 29. Here is Simeon's song. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, again, we don't know much about Simeon, but we know he's a devout man. We know that he's a faithful man who is longing for the comfort of Israel. He's longing for the comfort. Have you ever longed for something? Groaned inwardly for something? That's what it means. He's longing for the consolation or the comfort of his holy city. And Simeon takes in his arms the Christ child who is indeed the ultimate comfort of Israel. But not only Israel, notice in his song, he said, is a light unto the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. So not only has the consolation or comfort come for God's people, Israel, but comfort has come for the entire world. And he takes him up in his arms. This Christ, this child is the long-awaited seed of, 
of the woman. Some of you have been in our Genesis series where we discovered that that first gospel preached in Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Who is the seed? And then we're waiting. We're still in Genesis, what, 30? We've been in there for a while. We're waiting. Who is the seed? And, and this generation is born, and this generation is born, and the, the 12 tribes are born. Are, there, are any of them worthy? Will any of them be the one that crushes the serpent? No, we wait, and we wait, and we wait. There is coming a seed. There is coming an offspring. And now Simeon is holding him in his hands. The long-awaited seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham has come and he has come to smite the serpent and save a people to himself. Oh, this is Christmas. You don't get any serpent smiting songs too many, too much in Christmas, but I think there should be one. I don't know how to make that jolly, but Consolation has come. Comfort has come to Israel. And again, not only Israel, but you and I are sitting here because light has dawned to the Gentile nations as well. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, a partial section of our call to worship. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned. How do you get comfort? Your iniquity is pardoned. That's how you get it. Isaiah 52 verse 9, break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. How do you receive the comfort from the Father? You're redeemed. Your sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, your sins are removed from you, buried into the depths of the sea where God chooses to remember them no more. Comfort, comfort, my people. Nobody can say Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And here, Simeon is no exception. He is led by the Holy Spirit. He was longing for the comfort of Israel and now his soul breaks out in song over the Lord's Christ. Salvation has come to all people. We have been in this song of Advent, songs of Advent series for three or four weeks, five weeks now. This is our fifth week. This is it. And we have heard over and over and over again, not singing. We haven't heard mere singing. Instead, we've heard Mary break forth into singing. We've heard Zechariah break forth into singing. We've heard the angels break forth into singing. And here, Simeon is overwhelmed that he is holding the salvation of the world in his hands and he breaks forth into singing. Now, may I just give some pastoral encouragement for us as Roots Community Church. Some of you I will never see again. I hope we see you again. But some of you, it's just an Easter Christmas thing. We get it. But for the church, may we, moving forward, 
may we never just sing. I mean this, I'm dead serious. May we never just sing. But in light of this Christ child, in light of comfort, true and lasting comfort dawning on our hearts, may we as God's people from this moment forward break forth into singing. Not just when your favorite song is on. Not just when you get the willies or the goosebumps. I mean, when you hear of Christ and his work and his word, let's break forth into singing with Simeon, with Zechariah, with the angels, with Mary. Let's be a singing people. The second person in the temple to recognize what is happening was an old widow named Anna. She's 84 years old. The translation into English is a little wonky. She could be older than 84. She's at least 84. Some commentators put her at 100. But she's old. And she's a prophetess. She's well known in the temple. We don't know much more about her than that. But I want us to meet Anna and I want us to hear her message. We'll come back to verses 33 and 35 in just a moment. Skip to the end now. Look at verses 36 to 38. This is the second person who understands what's happening. And there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, at the very hour that Simeon is presenting the Christ child to the Lord, Anna comes at that very hour and she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. How do you get the comfort of God? How do you get the comfort of God? You must be redeemed. So here's here's Anna, 84 at least, a widow, She's given over to prayer and fasting night and day in the temple. She, is, she loves to dwell in the house of the Lord. Anna would probably, if she were here, quote, it is better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen? That's what Anna would say. I love seasoned saints like Anna. I wasn't preparing, prepared to share this, but there is a seasoned saint who's since then moved. She lives in Arizona now. Every Sunday morning, she would give me a hug and she'd say, morning, pastor. I'd say, morning, beloved saint. And she'd give me a hug and then she'd feel my sides. And, and she was just, and I would go, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing? And she'd go, just making sure you're eating. Just making sure you're eating. God bless you. Go, go give us Jesus. Go preach. I love seasoned saints like that. No pretense, no faking it, no trying to just, just there to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And here's Anna the prophetess, and she is praying night and day in the temple. And although she's an obscure figure like Simeon, no doubt Anna was respected. She holds an office in the Old Testament. She's a prophetess. She speaks and people listen. And she happens upon the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And Luke says that she's overcome with gratitude to the Lord. She, she goes on giving thanks to God. 
And she begins, and this is key, she begins to speak of Christ to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Note that word, the redemption of Israel. Like Simeon, Anna knew that the comfort that Christ would bring the city of God was no temporary comfort. And likewise, the redemption that Christ would bring would be no ordinary redemption. This was not a redemption from Roman oppression. This was not a redemption that had mere political consequences. All God's people said, amen. We have a redemption that transcends political strife. This was not a redemption from Roman oppression. Instead, Anna was convinced that this was a redemption that would end all other need for rescue. Do you long for a redemption like that? A redemption that satisfies all other need for rescue. The word that Luke uses, listen, to describe the redemption in Jerusalem is a word that would be often used to describe a slave who is bought off of the slave market. To redeem something is to purchase something. It's to redeem it. But the word that Luke uses to describe the message that Anna is preaching is a redemption that is a purchasing back, but more than that, it's a purchasing off the market. This means that when somebody is trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for salvation, then the blood that covers them is a blood that redeems them so thoroughly that they will never return to the slave market of sin ever, ever again. Never to be sold again. Never to have a new owner. You have purchased back and you are purchased off of the slave market. And this is what what has Anna overcome with joy and gratitude to the Lord that this kind of redemption has come to her people. How do you get the comfort of God? You don't get the comfort of God by having all of our earthly ducks in a row. You've tried that. I've tried that. And life keeps messing that up. Your own heart keeps messing that up. My own heart keeps messing that up. How do you get comfort that transcends circumstances? You must be redeemed. Purchased off the slave market. Never to be sold again. To be a Christian, if you're new to the Christian faith, to be a Christian is to be forever ransomed by the blood of Christ. This is the Christian message. This is the dawning of the new covenant. This is the purpose of the Christ child, born to die, born to set men free. Behold, Mary, you will have a son, and his name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How do you get comfort that transcends political strife, a pandemic, splits in families? How do you get comfort like that? You're redeemed by the blood of this Christ. And so at the sight of Jesus, Anna begins thanking God and she begins announcing true redemption for the people of God. So 
Here are the two people. That's it. Two people in all of Jerusalem recognize who Christ is and what he has come to do. Simeon and Anna, both receiving for themselves and announcing the comfort from God through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Here's the point where it has to land on us. Here's the big, so what? So what? You might even be asking this this evening, how do I receive comfort in redemption? I'm, I'm convinced like you are, preacher, that it's not going to come horizontally. How do I get this vertically? How does it land on my heart? Well, listen, there is actually a condition to receiving this kind of comfort and redemption. There's a condition. And the condition is this. You must believe that you actually need this Jesus. That's the only condition. You have to be convinced in your heart, soul, and mind that there is nothing under the sun that can come to you and grant salvation. The only condition to receiving comfort from God through the redemption of the son is you have to believe you need it. If you don't believe that you need the rescue of Christ, then he will not be a comfort to you. He will be an offense. If you try to add Jesus into the potpourri of other gods, other thinkers, other philosophers, he will make that a stench. He does not play well with others. And that is incredibly good news because he is our only hope in life and death. The only condition to receiving comfort from God through the redemption of the son is to finally admit that you need him. So back to verses 33 and 35 as we close. This is that section that I skipped over. Some of you were getting nervous that I was going to skip it altogether. I'm not. And it's the hard part. It's the part of the Christian message that we don't often read this time of year, but here it is. Look at verse 33 to 35. And his father and his mother, that is Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. Now, this is, re- this is re- responding to what Simeon just said about Jesus. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Then he gives a parenthesis and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What on earth does this mean? This is supposed to be Christmas. We've got swords piercing thoughts. We've got opposing, rising and falling. What on earth does this mean? Listen, Simeon says to Mary and to Joseph and to us, essentially, 
not all will join in the chorus of salvation. Not all will sing the songs of Advent. Instead, he says, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many. This child is a sign that is opposed. In other words, as the great preacher Spurgeon once preached, the same sunlight that melts the wax also hardens the clay. Even Mary, the mother of the Son of God, the one through whom, whose womb brings the light of the world, even Mary, the mother of Christ, will not escape the need to make a decision regarding this Christ. As another writes, the gospel of Jesus Christ provokes a crisis. Before Jesus will be a comfort to you, he will be a crisis for you. You must make a decision. Your life, your very eternity hangs in the balance. God in all of heaven has come to announce to you that there is no other hope in heaven and on earth by which man can be saved. And he has come for the fall and for the rising of many. Not all are singing the songs of Advent. Not all are feeling the comfort of almighty God. Because the Bible is clear that you cannot have this Christ if you don't believe you need him. He will not be a supplement. He will only be a substitute. However, now here's the invitation and here's the good news of the gospel. Who, the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit right now perhaps is, is like that sword discerning your thoughts and motives and you're trying to avoid the crisis right now. You're just trying to avoid it. Like you're thinking about presents and, and eggnog and whatever. You're, you're trying to avoid the crisis, but the Holy Spirit wants to bring you right, right face to face with the crisis of your life. What do you do with Jesus? If you have a deep longing for true comfort and redemption, hear Christ's words as we close. To you this evening, his very words. Jesus actually spoke these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May the Father, God the Father, through God the Spirit, grant you and me deep comfort and eternal redemption through 
the person and work of Jesus Christ. And may you say along with Simeon, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation.